All right. Well, we are starting today, Lord willing, the study of a new book in the New Testament, book of Colossians. And uh, no, no particular reason why I've picked that book other than I wanted to learn more about it and to study it and to get to know what it contributes uh, to, the, to the scriptures. And so uh, we are starting that this morning. Um, let's ask the Lord's blessing on this time before we dig into it. Dear Father, we do thank you for your goodness to us. You are so good, and I really appreciate what you have said to us this morning. We have reflected. First of all, we talked about you and the scriptures and the way you have revealed yourself through the Gospel of John as Pete has been opening that up to us. I'm very thankful, not only for the book and for the teaching, but for his heart and what you're doing in his life, uh, what you're doing through his teaching in my life, and I really appreciate that. I'm very thankful for your abundant mercy and grace is displayed in many areas. We're also thinking about how you've blessed us through our mothers. This is a Mother's Day, and so we are focusing particularly on that area of blessedness that you have showered upon us. And we are, everybody in this room has reason to praise your name for the mothers that you've given to us. And we are, even as we have been reflecting this morning very thankful for that i pray as we are starting this book a book that uh, i would like to become more familiar with i pray that you would show yourself to us help us to understand what you have to say that you would be speaking that the lord jesus christ would be exalted and that we would be edified and challenged built up for his glory and to serve him. Help us to be submissive and effective as instruments in his hand to glorify his name and to serve him. We ask a blessing now upon this time and we pray in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen. Well, in this little letter here, Paul is uh, writing the book of Colossians. There are several books in the New Testament that are referred to as prison epistles, which tells us, and Colossians is one of them, and tells us then kind of the circumstances uh, around the writing of the book. We know that uh, Paul had been ministering uh, in Asia Minor, the first missionary journey. He did a lot of his work in the Galatia area among the churches in Galatia, began to establish churches and uh, set up leadership in those churches. Um, when you think about it, I never can can think about Paul working in this kind of a virgin territory uh, with Gentiles and uh, a few Jews scattered in, but mostly Gentiles, Gentiles that did not know the scriptures, Gentiles that uh, did not have an understanding of Jehovah or the Messiah or anything like that. And yet here are these Gentiles and a lot of them are coming to faith in Christ and Paul is kind of organizing all of these babies into a church so that they can function. And I never can study that without realizing here is a perfect reason why God gave the gifts of the Spirit to the early church. 
is because you have a bunch of Gentiles that are brand new babies and they don't know anything significant about the faith or how to grow or anything. And so he's, he's gifted the members of the church with gifts of spiritual gifts so that they can function as they were mature believers and that they can see the work prosper. And uh, that those gifts seem to wane as the church grows, as the saints grow. And so more and more, if you want the gift of discernment, you begin to study the scriptures and learn the scriptures and begin to grow uh, in those things. And so here this, here's Paul's first missionary journey throughout Galatia. He comes back to Antioch and then he starts a second journey. And a very significant part of that second journey is a, is a stop at Ephesus. And we know from the scriptures that Paul spends a significant amount of time there in the city of Ephesus. And the scriptures tell us that the gospel began to spread throughout all Asia Minor. In fact, I'll read that to you. And I think it's over in the book of Acts, chapter 19, um, where, let's see here. Um, yeah. Said it talks about um, some were becoming hardened and disobedient, speaking evil of the way before the people. Um, he withdrew, this Paul withdrew from them and took away the disciples' reasoning daily in the school of Tyrrhenius. And this took place for two years. He's there in Ephesus, so that all who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. And Asia would be that whole area we had there with the seven churches, that area up there. And and um, the church of Colossa, the church of Laodicea, which is the one that we were looking at the other day, and then Hierapolis, those three areas, those three cities or settlements were pretty close together. The main road used to go through Colossa, but then it was detoured up through Laodicea and Colossa began to decline. But uh, that whole area was affected by the gospel that was beginning to be taught and proclaimed from Ephesus throughout Asia. And there were people that were, were really being reached to the Lord. Remember that um, the main road went through Ephesus. So there was a lot of transportation back and forth and it was easy for the gospel to spread. And so when we're talking about the church that we're looking at today, um, we know that it was influenced there, at least that's the best explanation, influenced by the outreach of Paul in Ephesus. Paul gives testimony in, in the book of Colossians that he never actually saw the faces of the saints there at Hierapolis or Laodicea or uh, Colossia, Colossians. And there was Tychicus that began to spread the gospel, but Tychicus was reached through Paul probably at Ephesus in that area. So here's this, just picture this. You have this, this uh, letter that we're looking at from a, that Paul is writing to this church at Colossa, and he's writing to this church because there are some there are some difficulties there. When Paul is writing, he's in prison. He's in prison in Rome. Now think about this. Rome is about thirteen hundred miles from the city of or the settlement of Colossa, and yet here is this guy Tychicus, who is so concerned about some of the things that are taking place in this new church there in the area of Colossa, that he travels that 1300 mile trip to Rome to visit Paul there in prison. And Paul hearing what, and we'll get into that as we get into the book, Paul hearing about that responds with this letter 
going back to the church to tell this church that he never met personally uh, some things to help encourage them. And so that's an important, I think it's good to remember that that Paul is writing and as begins to write his letter, uh, he addresses himself, uh, verse one and two of Colossians. He says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossa, grace to you and peace from God, our father. Notice how Paul begins that. He begins with giving an uh, annotation or a reminder of his, I guess you'd say his official status, not so much of the status that would be recognized by professors at a school, but here is one that God has called a messenger, an apostle, and he is an apostle to the Gentiles, and he calls himself an apostle. And that, remember, apostle means a messenger. And of course, there are all kinds of apostles. There are all kinds of messengers for rabbis and other things. There were rabbis was not uncommon sometimes for a rabbi to have a, a following of four or five people that were that he officially classified as his apostles. But uh, these apostles are apostles of Jesus Christ. Christ prayed for them, remember that, and he called them. And so they are his official apostles, official messengers. And then Paul who was also visited by the Lord and, and witnessed to by the Lord on the road to Damascus, the Lord appeared to him, Paul was called as an apostle, particularly to the Gentiles. And so he is the one that is, that is coming and he's interested in reaching the Gentiles. Notice that Paul is careful to say here that he is not commissioned by men as an official council sat down and said, we need to get a messenger to some Gentiles, who can we get? Well, what about this guy, Saul over here of Tarsus? Would he be good? We could pick him out because he's, he's very gifted. He sat at the feet of Gamaliel. He's a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He knows all this stuff. That's not the way he was chosen. He's very clear on this. He calls himself Paul, an apostle by the will of God. He is an apostle who was ordained called by the will of God. And we have that testimony three times in the book of Acts, where on the road to Damascus, he shares about meeting the Lord face to face. And then he shares that twice as he stands before Roman governors and others. But what happened on the road to Damascus? He is officially called by the Lord. The Lord appeared to him. Paul says- The only one, right? Yes, right. And Paul is careful to tell us. Good, Rick, that's right. Uh, he's careful to tell us when we have a communion, he says, for well, I delivered you that which I also received, how that Christ died for us. And he, he goes into the details of, I'm giving to you what the Lord has given to me personally. He appeared to me personally. He's given me this information. And so here's Paul writing this letter, identifying himself officially. So when we pick up the letter and we read it, as I've been doing, I've been going through it back and forth and back and forth, we're reading not just another letter, but we're reading a document that has been given to us as the Lord has given it to the apostle. The apostle is the official messenger of the Lord, and he is under inspiration as he writes this letter. And so we take it, and it is, it's important to understand the value of it, the, the power of it. It's, a, it's an important document coming from God through his apostle to this church and to us who are believers, the faithful that are in Christ. So that's a good thing, that's important. Second, not only does Paul say it's from him, but he also says, also, uh, and Timothy, our brother, he is not, he's not saying that 
Paul and I, Paul and Timothy are the authors. He's not saying that. Paul is the human author. Timothy is an associate or worker with Paul. And Timothy has been very big in, uh, as a co-worker uh, with the Apostle Paul. You can find Timothy's name alongside Paul's in 2 Corinthians and in the book of Philippians also in 1 and 2 Thessalonians as well as Timothy is mentioned in the little book of Philemon. All of these are written by Paul, but in all of them, Paul gives an acknowledgement that here is this worker there, this young man that he met on his second missionary journey and uh, that he has been with him in ministry. And so these are, these are, these are associates, if you will. These are people that uh, Paul cared for and worked with. If you remember in, uh, in Paul's letter to Timothy himself, his second letter, he tells Timothy he's in prison. He says that uh, probably the end is drawing near and I ask you to come before winter and bring my coat and my uh, text, my, uh, the, the scriptures and other things, papyrus and things to write on in my books and things. Bring those things. I left them back in Tarsus. Bring them uh, back in, uh, not Tarsus. Anyway, I left them uh, and I want you to come and bring them with you when you come and try to hurry. Don't delay because I, I don't have a lot of time left. Timothy was important to Paul and now he's including him in this letter. And it, it just adds to me in my thinking as we're getting into this book, a human touch to see the, the, the life of this man, the life of his associates and his passion, his burden. Um, we get burdened by funny things, little things, like we're talking about Alabama, I was talking about somebody the other day about that, and we can make a big thing about that. That's not a big thing, that's not an important thing. This is infinitely, infinitely more important. And uh, so Paul was, his life was involved in that, and his ministry was involved in that, his passion was involved in that. He's, went, he's gone through a lot of suffering, a lot of heartache, a lot of difficulty, and all of that stress, and all of that pressure, and all of that uh, suffering has been directed to advance and uplift and magnify and glorify his savior, one that he met on the road to Damascus. Um, I've never, I've met the savior in the sense that I have, he has, he has shown himself to me, he has opened my heart, I've trusted him, but I've never met him like Paul did in a glorious vision like that. It really transferred his life, transposed his passion and uh, kind of gave him a challenge that uh, he never got over, he went all the way uh, being beheaded uh, in Rome for his faith in Christ. But that's a real man, and that's a real passion, and I'm very, very, very uh, humbled by him. Timothy is one that Paul talks about, let's see here. Let's see here. He mentions Paul, and the number of passages where Paul, Timothy is mentioned by Paul, and I'm thinking of Philippians 2, 19, where Paul says this about Timothy, and you don't have have to turn to it, but he says, um, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you. This is uh, uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. To send Timothy to you shortly, so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. So that he's sending Timothy to the believers in Philippi with the idea that Timothy is going to encourage them and is going to find out about them and help them and there will be an encouragement to the apostle Paul because he cares for the believers, the saints at Philippi. So he says, I will be encouraged when I learn of your condition 
for I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare, for they all seek after their own interests and not those of Christ Jesus. And you know, that's, that's, I can see that in my life. There are times when I'm seeking what I want to do what I want rather than asking the Lord what does he want me to do. And that's, I think that's a real important distinction. I really do. I think it's important that the Lord has first place. You understand what I'm saying? First place in our lives, first place in our passions. That's what I want. And that's what, that's what I want for me. And that's what I want for you. The Lord has first place. And so here is this man, Timothy. Timothy, there are, he's not perfect. He, there were passages that make us realize that he was somewhat uh, sickly or weak. Uh, he had youthful struggles. He tells him about uh, youthful struggles and things of this nature. He might've been somewhat timid, maybe even ashamed at times and needed encouragement, which Paul gave him. Paul was quick to do that. Paul loved him and worked with him and encouraged him, but he was faithful and he was useful. Paul said he was the one that I really entrust with. And so he did. And so it's really important. And then, then notice also the audience to whom is Paul is addressing this. He, he identifies them. Uh, I love that phrase, the saints and faithful brethren in Christ. That's the church. Those that, those that the Colossians, the ones that are faithful to the saints, that's verse two, and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae. Remember, this is a church Paul has not seen, not visited. He's writing them, but he's addressing them as the saints and faithful brethren who are in Christ. Saints. We could, so in fact, some marginal readings call it holy ones. I know that the Catholic Church designates a, a select group of people that have over the years been sacrificially serving the Catholic Church, and so they are officially declared to be saints and they have official title. But actually a saint is a person who is separated. That's what it means to be separated unto God. There, we, are, we are saints. We have been called out of the world unto Christ. Unto him. Pete has used the illustration, I think it's an excellent illustration, of the door. Where a door is a door that goes two ways, but you can't go when you cross over the threshold of the door to follow Christ. There's no turning back. There's no backward coming back. You go through and you follow Christ. That's that's the idea. A saint is a person that's been called out of the world unto the Lord. Remember, God does the calling, but we have to respond. We have to, to follow. We have to obey. And that's what a saint is. And if you, you find over and over again in the scriptures where people are called saints, those who have been called out of the world. Hebrews says, talks about those who, of whom the world is not worthy. Those that have left everything that is, Bible says, love not the world, neither things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, love the Father is not in him. And he talks about lust, the flesh, lust, the eyes, the birth, most of the of life. Those things that, that kind of attract our, our flesh, Attract my flesh and attract your flesh and slow us down. Those things that detour us. Uh, saints are those that have turned their back on that and seek to follow the Lord. I realize that there are sometimes, and that would be true in my life as well, when it, you, you look at me and you're saying, are you seeking the world or are you seeking something that you want to do? And sometimes we do that. Sometimes we, we look with fondness in, in some area that we know we shouldn't be. Uh, pursuing and we had the Lord has to deal with us about that but a saint is a person who has left the world and followed the Savior he's worth following 
I'll tell you right now. That's he says, oh, that's one of the things. My grandma used to have a little plaque. We had a big uh, china cabinet there in the living room. Had a had a, a, a bowed glass front and a bowed glass side. And I don't know where they got that. That was very expensive glass to do that, but it was an old cabinet. But inside it had an ivory slogan, and it simply said, follow me. It was uh, a little slogan that Jesus, a quote from Jesus. That's what Jesus said, follow me. And uh, I think about that, that, that uh, people have said that's an easy thing to do. Uh, it may be easy to read and easy to understand, but there are always distractions, it seems like. There. When, when the Lord says, follow me, we're like John saying, well, Lord, what about Peter? Is he going to follow you? And, and the Lord says, never mind him. Uh, no, it's, it's Peter. He said, never mind him. You follow me. You, you take me seriously. And that's what we need to hear. And that's what we need to do. We need to take him seriously. He needs to be first. And so here's this audience of people and the saints of those that have been called uh, by the Lord and have left the world and following him. Notice also another designation of faithful brethren. Faithful are those who are consistent, uh, who have faith who believe and are willing to put what they believe into practice, to follow it and to take it seriously. Um, there, we live in a time in which there's a lot of confusion in the world. And people talk about that, and I, I especially at Lowe's, people talk about the, the violence that's taking place and how we're, they, they're sitting, many of our big cities are, are losing touch with what it means to to punish evildoers and to do things like that is it's more and more and more becoming almost dangerous so that uh, a lot of our cities you don't want to be out on the streets at night because it can be you it can be very you can be shot easily and uh, there, nobody seems to be doing anything it seems to be uh, more and more dangerous and more and more okay to break the law and to be violent and to live that way there's a lot more confusion on what is uh, sexually proper, uh, what uh, is proper so far as people's self-composure, what their gender is. People are confused about so many, many, many things. And people are confused about things and it's becoming really kind of scary, I think, to, to be associated and be in that kind of environment and yet here are people, small group of people who have come out of the world and following him and they are called faithful. They're faithful to the truth. They're faithful to the Lord. They are faithful to obey and to follow him. And it's this group of people, hopefully we would be included in that. Those who are faithful, that the world, that those in the world that are suffering will come to for questions and answers. What Peter says is uh, be ready to give an answer for the reason to explain the hope that you have within you. We have a hope, don't we, in Christ. We have a reason for being here, and we know that. And we're very thankful for that. We're very thankful for his purpose in us. Yes, uh, it's easy to, to look at other things. It's easy to be entangled sometimes in the, in the tempers. I get upset sometimes when I watch the news. I don't watch the news as much as I used to. And it's easy to become sidetracked. Focus on the Savior. Focus on the Lord and, and hear his word and let him let you become a, a pillar in his hand among your friends that becomes a stable answer for all the problems that around it. That's, that's one of the things that used to impress me about Warner was that in the midst of a lot of chaos 
in society and other things, Warner was always very stable, very soft-spoken. And that's the same with Paul Teasdale. A lot, of, a lot of stupid things, a lot of crazy things and stuff going on, but Paul didn't have to argue about it. He just stated the facts and it was very clear. And it was, it was, and you knew when he said it, you knew that it was right. You know, it was stable. He knew that it, it flowed out of a life that had been spent years and years and years following the Lord and honoring him. So here's Paul, this official representative of the Lord and his, his protege, his, his worker, Timothy. He's writing this church. He's addressing those who are those who are called out, those who are faithful. Brethren is just a way of saying they're part of the same family, the family of God. Uh, they're brethren in Christ. And there at Colossae, uh, this this uh, statement, saints and faithful brethren, is not a description of two groups of people. That you have a church here, and over here you have the saints, and over here you have the brethren. That's not what he's doing. He's referring to all of them. They are saints, and they are faithful brethren. Okay, so it's not not two groups, faithful and saints, but it's one group. They are saints. They're called out and they're faithful brethren. Okay. That's important. That's an important distinction because sometimes we can read something that's not there in the text and we don't want to do that. Then he says this, and we'll finish up this first point. Uh, he says, he gives kind of an acknowledgement, if you will, to them in that book because he says, and he's done this in almost every book he's written. He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Now, of course, the slogan that John McCarthy got his radio program, Grace to You, up from. But uh, grace is God's unmerited favors. It's uh, God's riches at Christ's expense. It's the abundant provision uh, given in love uh, to those who are undeserving, to those who are unworthy of that. He has given graciously to us. Uh, we have nothing with which we can claim as being worthy of. And I, I've I've talked about that to a number of people, and I, am, I, I, a lot of times I will tell that to people that God treats me better than I deserve. I, I got that. I think I heard that first from Dennis Bailey. I think it was the first one. I said, how are you doing, Dennis? He said, better than I deserve. And that's true. That's absolutely true. We are treated much, much, much better than we deserve. If we got what we deserve, we've been helped. He's just, he got it. The Lord is so merciful and so gracious and so good. And he overflows his mercy uh, and his grace to us. Grace being his provision in Christ, which comes to us. And everything we have in salvation, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you're saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, lest any man should boast. And so this is salvation that he has provided at his expense to us who don't deserve it. He has sacrificed so much for us. We will have the rest of eternity to express, and I'm confident that's part of one of the things we'll be doing is to express the greatness of our appreciation as well as uh, the abundant overflow of grace to those that don't deserve it throughout eternity. We will, and, and so, um, how is the universe going to understand his mercy and grace? One of the big ways is to see us who deserve hell standing up there forgiven, cleansed. Pete mentioned this morning, he's right about that, that uh, it's not that we are, that God is just erasing our sins and saying that's good. 
I'll forgive you and let you go and, and we'll put it under the rug or something like that. No, he has paid for it. There's a legal transaction that's taking, taking place so that legally speaking, we are cleared. There is no charge that can be made to those who are in Christ Jesus. And so that's his grace to us. And the result is peace. If God gives us his grace and we stand in him complete in Christ, we have peace. Um, I'll tell you what, there's nothing better than that. That's an experience that's just beyond everything. If you, uh, Rick has mentioned at times when he was sick and had this diagnosis of his cancer, that there was uh, peace in his heart from the Lord. Uh, how do you have peace when you have a diagnosis of cancer? The only way you can do it is miraculous. The Spirit of God, God gives you that peace and that comfort and that encouragement, and you know that he's in charge. You know he's on the throne. You know that nothing can happen except what the Lord brings your way. You are complete and at peace in him. So here's this little acknowledgement, and we'll finish. That's Paul's greetings. Next time we'll get into Paul's gospel as it begins in verse 3, saying, We give thanks to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, we're going to get into that. He's going to be talking about a number of, of things there that relate to the gospel and how it applies to us. But here's this letter from Paul, a very important letter to the saints, those who are called to serve the Lord and to follow him. I want to be in that group. I want to be faithful in that group. I want to, to um, persevere to the end. I want to follow him. There are times when I see, I stress that because I want to be transparent. There are times when I see distractions, but I want to be faithful to him. We all do. Yes, Rick. I was just going to say, you know, most of his letters, Paul's letters, have the same introduction. I mean, even, I mean, a lot of them don't, some of them don't mention Timothy, but, but in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, they do. That he referred to him as my true son. Mm -hmm. And I think I, under you, we went through Timothy, and I think that you had noticed that that is possibly because. Paul had led Timothy to Christ. And it's also, he also puts in grace, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father, just back in every one of his letters, every one of his introduction letters, he writes that. And then, but, you know, it's, it's grace, it's just unmerited favor of Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. That's a way of saying here is the source. Through Christ, we have grace and we have peace. Now, I see that as repetition, and sometimes the repetition is always established in the Bible as, hey, listen, this is what I'm trying to do. <laughs> so if you can look at all of his letters, most of his letters do say grace and mercy and peace. He wants you to understand that through his through salvation and through the belief in Jesus Christ, you can have all three of us. It's only him. Rick, why don't you close us in prayer? You know, Father, what it is a blessing to come this morning, Lord, that we we live in a country that's free. You know, sometimes we look around and see all the unsettledness and the dispute and the, the evilness that we have in our country, Lord. But at this time, we are still a free nation. We thank you for that, Lord. I know your will is, is upon this nation. I pray for this nation. I pray for that you would just be merciful on it. Lord, thank you for your word this morning, Lord. Thank you for Brother Paul, for his love for you. Um, he came to you because you came to him. You availed yourself. You showed yourself to him. What a blessing. What a changed his life. 
I thank you for that. And, and if we are enjoying that through his word, through the word that you had the Holy Spirit have him pinned down, we thank you for that. Lord, as we are thanking for that, we thank of our mothers. We thank you again for this, this uh, time that we can uh, be thankful for the mothers and the wives that you have given us, those that have gone to be with you and those that, that you have given us still time with. We pray, Lord, that this will be a good day for family, a good day for just reflecting on those that have gone to be with you. Bring us back tonight, Lord, for this Bible study. We pray for my brother Larry, Lord, that you continue to encourage him, give him strength, give him knowledge through Amen. your scripture, Amen. have the Holy Spirit speak through him this evening, Lord, as we are continuing our study in Mark. It's been a good one. I pray, Lord, that uh, that little house up there, living room, will be just slammed full of people today. And, and uh, I pray, Lord, that those that this morning, Lord, that may be cold and indifferent, whether they're on the online or even here, because you can still be a believer and still be cold and indifferent. I pray that this will be the morning that they will uh, acknowledge it and to, to have that uh, assurance that we've been talking about this morning, Lord, that assurance of their salvation. We love you in Jesus' name. We pray. Yes. Yeah, you're dismissed. Thank you.